0: This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All The Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin.
1: If it's social, then you really could be it. You can't have people say it's so serious. Because you're social, you're a leader in your
0: series.
1: Huh, oh, 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kerfin, your host and CEO of Likeable Media. And today I'm introducing you to Ivy Brown, my dear friend, who is the vice president of brand marketing and advertising at TIAA. Welcome, Ivy. Thank you, Carrie. You know, before we talk about the amazing job that you have today, I would love to talk about how you got to where you are today. So start with me from the beginning on the story of your career.
2: Okay. Well, thank you for having me today, Carrie. Look forward to our conversation. How I started my career really goes back to some experiences I had growing up, in particular, uh, developing an affinity for brands as a junior high student. Junior high, normal.
1: (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to go into marketing in junior high? Tell me a little bit about that story, because it is an amazing story.
2: So, um, you know, in junior high, everyone's looking at each other, who's wearing what labels and uh, what kinds of clothes. Um, And so I certainly was into that. And in the 80s, you know, there were a few top brands, Mm -hmm. um, very popular, Mm -hmm. whether it was the Limited or Guess Mm -hmm. or Benetton, um, I gravitated towards a brand called Esprit. Loved Esprit. You remember that? Of course. I remember it well. Um, Very colorful palette and... Just a fun brand, not a formal brand, but but fun, and a brand that grew with you as as you grow. So one of the things that I did, which sounds a little kooky, is I collected the tags that came with the clothes, and they usually had two tags attached to it, one with this kind of translucent cover that had the brand name on it, and then behind it, another tag that had a particular color.
1: I love how you so, remember all of this like it was yesterday. That's, it's, it's amazing. Like an impact, right? A brand branding
2: impact. And it was a brand that I loved. I mean, I mean, really brought a lot of spirit and joy to me. Um, and one of the things I got curious about was, okay, well, what's really behind this brand? And that was probably around that high school timeframe where I was trying to determine what I was interested in. Am I interested in the sciences? Am I interested in the business side of things? And I just got curious and looked up, you know, who um, was behind this brand through, you know, at the time, the internet did not exist. So it's based on things, you know, my parents would find articles on or people would mention things. And the husband and wife who were behind that brand were entrepreneurs at, at the heart of it. They started the company, Doug and Susie Tompkins, and um, they built a global brand, and that was the first time I really wanted to understand what really goes into making a brand. Yeah, the clothes are made in another part of the world, but who really designed them? Who
1: came up with the ideas? I think that's so interesting at that young age that you kind of sought out that information. I don't think a lot of kids do that. Well, I think today it's a lot easier, certainly. Yes, to um, get the information. To get the information. Yeah.
2: I, I think being curious is really a foundational element of of how you grow and how you learn and how you um, develop yourself. And if you're in an environment where asking questions is the way to go and is acceptable um, and encouraged, I believe you start to develop that that muscle. Well, I'm curious right now.
1: Did you save the
2: tags? Okay. So at one point, <laughs> I think I may have told you this a while ago. Um, at one point, literally, I had stacks of these oh tags. Oh, my God. And... I made like this montage of the tags on like a poster board. Okay. And cheesy enough, I brought them to my dorm room freshman year, like no, a wall poster. You
1: didn't. And I put it, it up on the
2: wall. Now, that's a little. No, obnoxious. I love this. It's, 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 like now, it's a little obnoxious. No, I but, love it. And when my parents were cleaning out their house, you know, a couple years ago, obviously there's stuff I needed to clean out. Right. And the the posters were there. And my mom's like, "Do you want? Do you want these?" I'm like, "I'm done with these things. Like, I threw them out. I recycled them." Let me tell them. you
1: something. I think they really belonged in your office because they really <laughs> did spark your whole yeah. career. You should have brought yeah. them into your yeah. office. So, okay. So after you're a teen and you're totally ignited by a spree and their brand story, and you know that you love business tell me what went next did you okay, go to college so, for so business
2: i went to college for um it was a combination of liberal arts and um i had an economics degree and a business minor okay and one of the things um that my parents had said to me is you know you can go to grad school if you want to do business but when you go to undergrad you need to get a variety of things and experiences and um find out what you're what you gravitate toward well, that kind of fits with your yes, curiosity yes, theme right exactly and you know you got to listen to your parents if, right. if they're helping right. you on that next right. journey. And I think that was really great because, you know, being in a liberal arts setting, you can take art classes, you can take science classes, um, social sciences, etc. cetera. And here's, here's the thing I did. Freshman year, I took a fashion design class hmm. because I thought... Maybe I want to go into the fashion space. Makes sense also with a spree, your obsession with a spray. Exactly. And that was an attractive piece. Like, oh, you could take some classes in the art school, the fine art school. So um, I took the fashion design class. It was really hard. Coming up with the design is fine. Yep. Making the pattern, cutting the pattern, assembling it, presenting it. It's a semester course. And it was enough for me to understand, yeah, maybe I'm not so handy But maybe I have the perspective of the audience, the customer, um, the marketing side of it. And I took a marketing class in undergrad as well. And so that was something, you know, in back in the day, brand management. It was a whole potpourri of things that sparked for me in college. And then wanting to get a job in marketing. And for me, I didn't get one right out of college. Fortunately, I got a job. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the industry I was Mm. looking toward, but it allowed me to live on my own and work. Um, I ended up working in financial services, um, which is ironic because now I'm I'm in in financial services. In a different capacity, probably. Um, But I spent 18 years at Johnson & Johnson after I went back to business school, um, working on a whole host of different consumer brands in domestic U.S., in global and really understanding the art and the science of building a brand in the face of changing environments, changing consumer needs, and pretty much a very nimble media landscape.
1: Mm. Um,
2: And and that has changed over the years considerably.
1: What I find interesting about this part of the story is that you're – curiosity and taking you know, more of a liberal arts kind of background in undergrad, you still ended up where you kind of knew you were going to be, which we went to business school, and then you went to Johnson & Johnson, and all of that landed where kind of your gut told you in the beginning, but you were able to try and experience new things that were interesting along the way that helped reinforce that that was the thing for you. I think that's key for people.
2: That is, and I think having Career experiences, I hate to call it having a career, yes but having a career of experiences is something that I say to a number of the folks that I mentor is it's not really an endpoint you're looking for. You're looking to build out your experience toolkit. And that opens you up for other opportunities. And who would have thought, you know, 20 years ago, I would be sitting here talking to you about uh, marketing in today's age and being um, a leader in financial services marketing within TIAA. And I'm kind of coming full circle circle. back into financial services. But for me, what it's really about is recognizing that there's always an opportunity with your audience.
1: I love what you said about having... Having a career of experiences versus a career, because career implies one thing, right? You have one career in this, where a career of experiences are all of these different potential things that you can do.
2: That's right. And what was awesome about Johnson & Johnson yeah. was that within marketing, you are building your career roadmap through these different experiences, Mm. different functional um, exposures, different brands and different life stages, meeting different audience needs. And you get a whole variety of those experiences um, that then build your toolkit in how you look at then another industry, another category. And for me, making that switch from consumer products to financial services, you know, something that's very tangible in the product space and something that's, A bit intangible in the service space is um, another way of continuing my curiosity journey.
1: It's very interesting because I would imagine it would be a big decision to go from Johnson & Johnson, where you have had this career of experiences, right? One of the great things about working at a J&J is you get to do a million different things over – how many years – you were there 18 Ten years? years? Yeah. Wow. So you must have gotten to do a lot of different things. So moving from that and going into a new role must have been a big a big step for you. Talk to me a little bit about where you are today, uh, the choice to go there, and what you're doing now.
2: Sure. Um, well, my journey uh, with TIAA started really about 2.5 half years ago, so I've been there almost two years. Okay. Um, and you know the interview process. Et of cetera, course, it takes of some course,
1: time. of course.
2: But the CMO at the time was um, embarking on a brand building journey for the company. And you would say, why would she be embarking on a brand building journey? The company was founded in 1918 by yeah. Andrew Carnegie. And what they wanted to do was be relevant for today's generation and onward for the next 100 years. And so she had this amazing vision of what she wanted this brand to continue to build upon Hmm. of its foundation and really making it accessible and relevant for today's audiences and their customer base, which they focus solely on, we focus solely on providing retirement plan services and financial services for those who work in the not-for-profit industry. And um, with that mission comes this, you know, inherent desire to help those who are in turn helping others. Yes. Um, These, whether they're professors or nurses or the janitor who's working at a not-for-profit organization, everyone deserves a great shot at financial security. Yep. And what she had offered and what they were trying to do, which we've been quite successful over the last two years, um, was pretty exciting. What it came down to was do they know their customer? Do they know how they're differentiated, how to meet their needs, and do it in a way that's unique and ownable versus the competition?
1: I love that. So it must have really inspired – what an inspiring mission yeah. too. I mean you're working for great people and doing great things. And I would imagine that's a pretty – even though it's a it's a big audience, it's a, it's a targeted audience, right? Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about – I would imagine that digital would afford you the opportunity to target in the ways that other media – Often doesn't. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about some of your approaches and how you're making sure that you reach the right audience.
2: Yeah, great question. I mean, it's highly relevant to everything me and my team do each and every day. Yeah. Because we have this audience that is highly um, reachable, yep. um, identifiable, whether it's our current customer base or those who actually could be our customers Potential. who aren't. Today, based on how they live their life, what they're interested in, where they work, we are able to find them in um, pretty amazing ways with our various agency partners um, in the digital landscape. Um, Certainly, we know Google and Facebook have highly targetable audience bases, and they are two key partners of ours as um, we build out our, Mm -hmm. our reach plans. But what I would say is... The world has become more complex as it relates to how you talk to your audience and not just how you talk to them, but how you engage them, Mm. how they engage with you and ensuring you're staying true to your brand. So if TIAA is all about being accessible, being simple and being authentic, then the way we show up in this vast array of channels, we need to make sure we are continuing to follow those brand principles. And what that means is you don't try to shove a whole bunch of information in every single channel, but you use each channel to the best of its ability to achieve your business and brand building objectives.
1: So using them each with sort of different messaging, different tone, different... uh, Exactly, like content.
2: Taking advantage of how much more video inventory is out there today. Yes. And thinking about how you can target your video to your audiences versus buying a big giant TV buy, which, you know, is targetable but not highly targeted. And so there's a mix. And, you know, if you want to build out broad awareness, TV obviously plays a role. If you want to build out contextually relevant sight, sound, and motion, video is definitely a, a way to go. Especially as you're targeting very discrete audiences.
1: How much today of your advertising mix or marketing mix would you say digital is today? For us today,
2: yes. digital and, and last year as well is um, close to 70% of our mix.
1: Wow. You know, when you
2: factor in search and social channels and video and programmatic display, a little room for some experimentation in, in some other channels that may be emerging, obviously, mobile is a channel in and of itself, yes. but it also has a lot of different assets that go in through Crossover. mobile. Being mobile ready is really critical. And because we are we have a very defined target audience at this point in our, yes. our journey, um, it, digital does play a, a, a key role. And what are you finding works for you really well? Um, well, what we're finding is, I mean, don't underestimate the power of search. Mm-hmm. search engine marketing and search engine optimization. They go hand in hand. Mm. Um, and what you do um, on your site, whether it's mobile or desktop, what you do with your content that you put out there, where it tags back to, Plays a key role in search engine optimization. In search engine marketing, you know your audiences are looking for
1: key things. They're in the moment. You can't get any more targeted than somebody who's searching for retirement plans for anybody, you know, somebody in their own. Rolling over my
2: IRA, who should I sign up for my employer retirement plan? I need to save for this key life milestone that's coming up. So, being there at the right time, so is it's a critical. little
1: different in social media because people aren't necessarily going on social media to talk about their retirement planning.
2: No, but we do know that word of mouth and the experience that we deliver for our customers is top when it comes to recommendations. So if someone's had a great experience with us, They're going to tell people about it. And that's where making sure you're connecting the dots between what you're pushing and and putting out into the marketplace and how folks are coming in and engaging with that. And then ultimately how the money flows in that equation. And then ultimately that experience that um, we all have with
1: that customer uh, across a number of touch points um, is critical. That's incredible. And I would imagine that you're using some of the video work that you have been talking about, the video content you've been talking about with a lot of uh, Facebook's new stuff that they've had coming out, all of their video yes, work. we've
2: we've actually done some Facebook Live. Twitter has done some boosts yes. to certain sporting events that we've been a part of. So if they're... Um, out there tweeting about certain coverage, us being part of some of that coverage, like the highlight reels of the day, yes, and inserting our message oh, within that because that audience affinity matches with ours. Um, so that's been another way of just getting your
1: message out in a different way. When you're looking, so search is really easy because it's in the moment. They're asking the question. You can measure that they they see you or not, if they go to where you are, are they interested in it, do they act? Tell me how you measure success on social media. I would imagine with word of mouth, it's a lot around people's engagement and sentiment.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say that is definitely a key piece. Yes. And nowadays, putting your message out there in social by yourself is not going to get you enough of right. that boost in reach. So you right. ultimately have to be investing in paid placements within the social channels and making sure not just the advertising has the right targetability and, and reach, but also recognizing that or, our what was called organic social yes. um, is mixed in there and is consistent with um, providing utility to those audiences yes. that we're trying to reach. And th- the biggest thing for us as we look at the channel mix is recognizing that there are some channels that give you instantaneous gratification, like yes. you got your answer now. Yep. And then there's others that will entice you to just explore a little bit more. Come to our site, learn a little bit more about a particular topic. And once you come to our site, you're cookied and we can remarket to you. Uh, So knowing who's come in for what information allows us
1: then to be more relevant to them in the next stage. So it sounds like it's really utilizing the... Website, you know, using the social networks as kind of teasers for content to get them to the website. So then you can use the remarketing tactics, which are amazing, uh, coming through your site optimization. That's right. And
2: the whole brand rebuild um, that started back in early 2016 was really predicated on ensuring a very simple web experience for a brand in a category that is uberly complex yes of uberly course. intimidating of course and um frankly is a category that people avoid engaging
1: right. in right they don't want to and deal and so
2: um our brand efforts were built on we're focused on building that brand awareness build the engagement coming to the site knowing that we weren't expecting you to transact right away yeah but knowing that you're on a journey to gather information as well and we want to provide that to meet your needs based on where you are where you are in your life. And one of the things that we incorporated in that whole web experience at TIAA.org was a persona mindset. So recognizing that there are different people in different life stages using real customers and their real experiences of how TIAA helped them succeed and get to where they want to be is a great way to say you understand your audience. Hey, look at me. We understand who you are and what you're looking for in a relevant way because there's people like you that we
1: serve as well. And depending where they go on the site, you probably can then remarket to them using the persona that they actually are. So you're actually connecting to somebody based on who you know that they That's are. right. Is and it, all the
2: content is based on so life key. stage and um, the types of financial services that you would need at certain li- at moments in your life. Love
1: that. Okay, so tell me, favorite or best-performing social network for TIAA, and then your personal favorite social network.
2: Just based on the data that yes. we have and, and where we invest, yep. um, Facebook has been yep. extremely strong for us. Yep. And I would say the most efficient has been Google search. Yeah. I mean, no no yep. doubt about it. Yeah. And if you're going to spend a dollar anywhere, you got to start with, right. with search as the foundation. Right. But what's great about Facebook is, and I'm not trying to plug them, but what's great about that for our brand is you can reach multiple audiences with different creative in different formats, whether yep. it's live, whether it's video, 6, 15, 30s. Um, the carousel set of ads, whether it's... Yep, um, all of the different all, units all that the they units. have.
1: How about for you? What's your
2: favorite? For me, so socially, yes. personally, Facebook. Okay. Um, got reconnected with friends from college, you know, reunited yep. at a reunion a couple years ago, yep. friends from business school. We just had our 20th reunion last, this past May. Everyone's on WhatsApp and on Facebook. Yep. And it's like, you're all connected awesome. again. Um, professionally... I would say LinkedIn, really. I mean, I I give LinkedIn a lot of credit for, one, dissemination of really relevant business information. You know, if you follow certain certain influencers, certain uh, publishers are on there pushing their content out there. You don't even have to go pick up a magazine. You can read things, you know, from um, Fast Company, Inc., et cetera, Fortune. But I also give LinkedIn a lot of credit for Enabling you to have your own brand, yes, branding yourself, yes, in their environment for professional purposes. That's how I came to TIAA. The opportunity came through, through somebody through um, a recruiter through LinkedIn.
1: That's amazing,
2: and um, you can't underestimate the power of LinkedIn, really, for for your professional career growth, and for fulfilling
1: your curiosity. So, Ivy, if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, do they just search Ivy Brown?
2: Yes, um, on LinkedIn you can find me Ivy Brown. And then put in TIAA yep. or Johnson, Johnson yep. and Johnson. Yeah, I'll show up. And any up. of them will come up um, on Twitter. Um, I really tweet a few things, um, more like foodie and yes. brand experiences. Sometimes customer complaints oh, uh, on always. Twitter. Um, best place to do so um, through my children's name, So
1: Lily and Ben's mom. Oh, um, I love so that. At, at Lily and Ben's mom. Lily and Ben's mom. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Ivy. Thank you, Carrie. It's
0: been great. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.